And so, Lord Jesus, we ask that you would uh, help us to preach. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, this is our 41st message from the book of Ephesians. Uh, For the past six messages, uh, we were preaching on the armor of God, and our series kind of got messed up by a heart attack and Christmas and all that kind of stuff. So hopefully, you can kind of remember some of the stuff that we've been saying. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 14. Stand therefore, having fastened on the belt of truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, and as shoes for your feet, having put on the readiness given by the gospel of peace. In all, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming darts of the evil one and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God, praying at all times in the spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, watching with all perseverance, making supplication for all the saints, and also for me, that words may be given to me, and opening my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. Paul lists six pieces of armor, and then he talks about prayer. And scholars debate whether or not Paul intends to to say that prayer is the seventh weapon. For in Scripture, seven's a hugely significant number. For in six days, God created the heavens and the earth and humanity uh, in in his image. And on the seventh day, he, he rested, the Sabbath day. So maybe prayer is the seventh piece of, of armor, and, and some say maybe not because it's different than the other six. And yet the seventh day is very different from the other six days, but the seventh day gives meaning and purpose to all the other days. And in the same way, Paul seems to be saying that prayer is like the purpose of the armor or the way that we put the armor on. Kind of like prayer is entering God's rest the uh, seventh, seventh day. Well, no matter what, it's clear that prayer is really important. And so this morning I want to ask the question, how's your prayer life? How's, how's your, your prayer life? I mean, is it satisfying? Is it disappointing? What, what do you do when you pray? How do you pray and does it work? I asked those questions of our staff this week in our staff time, and Francis said, hey, I just got a call from Bill. He called me and was so happy because last night we had this family trauma over, right, over losing some car keys, and Bill just called me, and he was from work. He said, this, he, God woke him up in the night and told him where the car keys were. He's walking to work, and he walked right to the spot, and there were the car keys lying in the road. That's answered prayer. I remember kneeling by my bed in high school praying that Susan Coleman would go out with me. (laughs) And she went like way out with me, 36 years and four kids. That's answered prayer. In college at a healing service, I went forward for a sore back because I had a sore back. I know it's hard for some to believe. I've told you about it. Blew my mind. But I sat down, this lady prayed, and my leg like grew out. I mean, it like shot out, just freaked me out. That's... Answer prayer. 
Now, some of you may have been praying to God that he'd heal you for years. And he hasn't. Some of you have been praying to God that he'd reveal your soulmate now for, for years. And he hasn't. Some of you still can't find your car keys. And so how do these stories of answer prayer make you feel? And what do they, do they mean? What do they mean? Six years ago, I desperately prayed that God would save my church from division and destruction. And then I, I watched as it was just torn to pieces. So when I hear stories of pastors praying and then being answered by like mass revivals, I get a little ticked. So anyway, how's your prayer life? And should we pray for healings and marriages and car keys and revivals when so often those prayers don't really seem to work? I mean, maybe we need different prayers. Maybe we should chant or light a candle or something, you know? Like, try that this afternoon or this evening around 4.30. See, see if, if that works. Maybe we need to pray in tongues. I pray in tongues really quite often in my own private prayer life. But if you ask me, ask me if, it, if it works, how would I know? I don't know what I'm saying. I don't know. But maybe we need to use King James English. Some people think that God prefers the King James. Maybe we need to say the word just a whole lot. Lord, I, I just want to say just this and just that. You know, technically, you can't say just more than once in, in a prayer. It's illogical. If it's just this, it's not just that. That's illogical, only one just. It's, it's also bad, bad English. Maybe we need to pray in Jesus' name. Jesus said, whatever you ask in my, my name, blah, 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 blah. I remember learning that in junior high. I, I went out by myself and, and I said, God, in Jesus' name, whatever prayers I've said, whatever prayers I'm gonna say in the future, I hereby designate them in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, Jesus' name, Amen. Maybe we need to pray more prayers or better prayers. Maybe we need to pray that Jabez prayer. Remember the Jabez prayer? Everybody was praying that prayer about, oh, 14, 13, 12 years ago, right before 9-11. Remember that, the Jabez prayer? Maybe we need to name it and claim it or blab it and grab it. Maybe we need listening prayer because, you see, prayer is to be a conversation. I used to go on these silent retreats by myself all day. All day long, and, and I felt like I, I heard nothing, heard nothing. At times, I've been really regimented in my devotional life, and all my devotions just seem to be utterly boring. And then I go downstairs frustrated and just work out, crank up the stereo, and it's like God wouldn't shut up, you know what I mean? Thoughts, ideas, revelations, bouncing around my head. I have to stop and write stuff down. I mean, it seems that I wasn't the only one bored with my devotions. <laughs> Maybe God didn't want to be one of my spiritual projects. And yet, I do think it's critical to take time to listen. And Jesus clearly uh, set time aside early in the mornings often to go off and be alone with his Father and, and pray. Well, maybe we need to pray the Psalms. You know the Psalms or the songbook or the prayer book of ancient Israel. We should pray them. But have you read them? Have you? Psalm 40, this is Psalm 44. 
We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Paul even quotes that in Corinthians. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Wake up! Why are you sleeping, O Yahweh? Why are you sleeping? That's, that's the psalm, Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I'm telling you, the psalms are a bit crazy to pray. And yet in Colossians, Paul tells us to pray them. The Jews in Jesus' day were like elite athletes of prayer. Two times a day, they uh, would pray the Shema from Deuteronomy, and three times a day, they'd pray the 18 benedictions, which are really long. And it was in that environment that the disciples came to Jesus and said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Teach us to pray. And Jesus said, okay, say this. Our Father who's in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Or your, you know, he didn't use King James, I don't think. Your will be on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts. We forgive our debtors and lead us not into, um, uh, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Uh, period. <laughs> Any more questions? I mean, the disciples must have been a little bit, I don't know, like, golly, that's kind of anticlimactic, Jesus. That's, that's it? So how's your prayer life? How should we pray? What should we pray? How long should we pray? Well, in Ephesians, Paul tells us, he just told us, he said, pray all the time. And pray all prayers. All prayers. It's like he's saying, yeah, sure, pray, pray all that stuff. Pray for car keys, dates in high school, definitely pray for healings. Use candles, use spiritual gifts, use the King James English if you want. Use bad English if you want. Heck, you don't even have to be logical. Use bad logic, but never, never stop praying. Go ahead, blab some stuff and try to grab some stuff. See, see what happens. Uh, pray the Jabez prayer. Pray that little prayer out of, out, of, out of the Old Testament. Pray Jabez. Pray the prayers in your devotional book. Pray the Psalms. Pray the Shema. Heck, pray the 18 benedictions if you'd like to. Pray the Lord's Prayer. Pray it all in Jesus' name. Just don't stop praying. Don't stop conversing with God. And does it work, Paul? I mean, that's what we want to know, right? Does, does it work? It's interesting to note that as Paul writes this, he's in prison, chained to a stone, having been beaten and flogged and now sitting in the dark. And don't you suppose just once Paul prayed something like this? Um, dear God, love you, but could we just skip the prison stuff? You know, Paul had once been miraculously delivered from prison. Book of Acts in Philippi. Paul had prayed and raised people from the dead, like Eutychus. Paul had healed people through the power of prayer in Jesus' names. And yet Paul, at this point, was close to blind. In 2 Corinthians, he writes, Three times I besought the Lord, I begged the Lord about this, that he'd take this thorn in the flesh away from me. And three times he said to me, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. My power is made perfect in weakness. So does prayer work? 
And you know, Paul prayed for the churches. He, he prayed for the churches. He worried over the church. Prayed for the, and by this time of his life, almost all of them have abandoned him. It's, read, read 2 Timothy. Almost all uh, abandoned him. And yet, Paul does look an awful lot like Jesus. So does prayer work? And how about for Jesus on the sixth day in the midst of the greatest spiritual warfare you could ever imagine, sweating great drops of blood, Jesus prayed, Abba, Father, all things are possible for you. Take this cup away from me. And the Father didn't take that cup away from him. And yet Jesus did pray, nevertheless, not my will, but your will be done. Have you ever thought about that? How could Jesus' will be different than his Father's will unless he had somehow descended and identified with our will? Our dark, dark will. And there in that place, that dark dungeon cried out, Abba, Father. Hmm. Well, anyway, how's your prayer life? At staff, Kimberly, you know, who's just up here saying, where's Kimberly? There's, there's Kimberly, who's just up here saying the prayer. Um, she shared about an incident in the Ukraine when uh, she was an angel. Where, where was it? It was England. Okay, well, they're missionaries, right? But you just met, uh, you just met Kimberly. She was uh, sitting by a river, and uh, they're watching ducks. And as she was sitting there, um, they, uh, kids came up to her and they asked her a question, which was really painful because Kimberly said, at that time, we were just down to our last penny. And the kids were hungry, and they asked her, Mommy, can we feed the ducks? And Kimberly said, I was sitting on that park bench, and I just broke down. And from the sanctuary of my own heart, I just called out to God. I cried out to God, saying, God, I don't have enough to feed my own children. How can I feed some ducks? You say you care for the birds, but I can't even feed my own kids. And just then, this man walking by the river walked up to Kimberly, holding a loaf of bread. He said, I bought this bread at a nearby store and I, I just don't think I need it. And I thought maybe your kids would like to feed the ducks. Would you like my bread? And so Kimberly fed her kids and fed the ducks. And that's kind of my experience with prayer. I pray for all sorts of things that just don't seem to happen. And, and just about the time I'm ready to give up, God does something. As if to say, Peter, I'm right here. I'm right here. I, I'm listening. Don't stop. I haven't yet given you the global ministry empire. I know that. And the vacation home in the Caribbean and the Maserati. But here's your daily bread. Keep praying. Paul says, keep praying. But what's the point? God already knows what you need. He already knows what you're going to say. He already knows what you're, he's going to do about it. So, so what's the point? Well, in all our prayer and in all our disappointment, perhaps we're missing the point. 
it's just, there's all this pressure, you know? And sometimes it feels like it's right up on me and I can just feel it, like literally feel it in my head and it's relentless and I don't know if it's gonna stop. I mean, that's the thing that scares me the most is that I don't know if it's ever gonna stop. Yeah. Well, you do have a nail in your head. It is not about the nail. Are you sure? Because, I mean, I'll bet if we got that out of there. Stop would... trying to fix it. No, I'm not trying to fix it. I'm just pointing out that maybe the nail is causing. You always do this. You always try to fix things when what I really need is for you to just listen. Yeah, see, I don't think that is what you need. I think what you need is to get the nail See, you're out. not even listening now. Okay, fine. I will listen. Fine. It's just, sometimes it's like, there's this achy, I don't know what it is. And I'm not sleeping very well at all. And all my sweaters are snagged. I mean, all of them. Yeah, I, that sounds really hard. It is. Thank you. Ow! Oh, come on. Ow. If you would just don't try to see things my way. Do I have to keep on talking till I can go? She doesn't want her helper's help. And maybe that's the point. You see, I suspect that one day, bride of Christ, we will look back on our prayer lives and they will look exactly like that. And so Jesus listens, Jesus empathizes, Jesus sympathizes, Jesus wants to get close and yet his presence is our judgment. Because of the nail, we constantly pull away. But Jesus doesn't give up. He says, well, tell me about it. Tell me about it. Keep talking. Keep talk Just don't go away. So, so what's the nail? What's the point? Maybe our prayer lives are disappointing because we're missing the point. And so what's the point? Why should we pray? Why Pray. I just want to ask that question. Why pray? Well, prayer changes things. Number one. Why pray? Prayer changes things. James chapter 4, verse 2. You don't have because you don't ask. You know, when my kids were little, I could pretty much anticipate everything that they'd ask. And yet, I still wanted them to ask, and in fact, I'd even arrange things so that they would ask. When I dreamed of taking them to Disney World, I'd tempt them to ask about Disney World. I'd tempt them to ask so that one day I could answer, and here's the thing, I didn't even like Disney World. I didn't even care about Disney World. I cared about the asking and the answering. I cared about our relationship. James continues, you don't have because you don't ask. You ask and you don't receive because you ask wrongly to spend it on your hedone, your own fleshly desires. You see, maybe we need new desires. Maybe our desires, our old desires are like the nail. Maybe sin in the flesh is like that nail in the head. Maybe sin in the flesh is our own effort to just help ourselves. So we don't need a helper. You ask and do not receive because you ask 
wrongly. But that doesn't mean that you should stop asking. Maybe just the practice of asking reveals how we're not asking as we ought to ask. Madeline Engel wrote this. Before I can listen to God in prayer, I must fumble through the prayers of words, of willful demands, the prayers of childish gimme's, of help me's, of I want. Until I tell God what I want, I have no way of knowing whether or not I truly want it. Unless I ask God for something, I do not know whether or not it is something for which I ought to ask. So does prayer change things? You know, I'm really not convinced that talking to Susan changes Susan. She's sitting right back there. I'm not convinced that talking to Susan changes Susan. However, I do know that it changes me. And I'm not convinced that talking to God about other people always changes those people, but it always seems to change me. And, and you know what I'm talking about. You pray about someone, God, please help Matilda to get her act together. And as you pray, he helps you to get your act together for Matilda. So prayer changes things. But mostly, it changes me. Just the act of prayer makes me aware that everything is grace. Everything that's anything is grace. Every good and perfect gift comes down from the Father. And you see, my flesh is convinced that it all comes from me, including me. I'm convinced, my flesh is convinced that I create me, especially my prayers. And yet prayer itself is necessarily passive at its core, an active passivity or a passive activity. Prayer is acknowledging the fact that we need help. And because something in us or something about us resents that fact that we need help, we try to turn prayer into our own accomplishment, our own activity, and then we're disappointed for we've entirely missed the point. We need a helper. And we can't merit his help, for then it's not really help, it's not grace. And so you see, prayer is like all the armor that we've been studying. The pieces of armor really aren't something that we do, but something that Jesus is or Jesus has done, and he himself is God's word that does everything, even prayer. You know, if I think that prayer is like an accomplishment of my will or myself, or my flesh, if I think it's something that I can make work, well, I really get offended when it seems to work for someone else and it doesn't work for me. My flesh gets offended. But if I believe that God is good and all is gift, well, I'll believe that unanswered prayers are really answered prayers. So the fact that God found Bill's car keys proves that God hears prayer and he can find car keys. And so if I pray to find my car keys and I don't find my uh, car keys, it's because God doesn't want me to find my car keys and he doesn't want me to drive my car and that's good. Because God is good. 
Because Paul knew that God could deliver him from prison, he learned to be content in prison. For it was obviously not God's will for him to be out of prison at that time. He didn't know exactly why. We don't know exactly why. But if it weren't for prison, we wouldn't be reading Ephesians this morning in church, which was written in prison. On the cross, Jesus prayed, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? He didn't know why. At that point, at that moment, in time, he didn't know why. That's why he prayed why. However, he did know that God was good and God was his helper. And so he drank that cup and from that place, he prayed, Abba, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. And maybe that's the point. Maybe that's the point of all prayer. Maybe he's the point. He's the word of God given to us. Maybe prayer is all about speaking that word, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. Yahweh, Yasha, God help, Yahashua, Yeshua. It's a name, and the name in English is Jesus. Well, anyway, I, I, I was saying, prayer makes me aware that everything is gift and that God is always and everywhere speaking. You know, Scripture says that all is created and sustained by the Word of God. So creation is God talking. <laughs> look around. See, see all this? Look around. Go look, at, look around. Look around. Do that, okay? Look, see all this stuff? It's only there because God is talking. God's talking. And He's talking to you. Like a father to an infant and the mother's womb, when God talks, everything moves. And he longs for the day that you would talk back and your words would have meaning. You know, not just babble, but meaning. When my children were babies, I would take them in my arms. I remember I would just talk, 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 talk to them. And they would just babble, 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 babble on. They would babble, 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 babble on back to me. And I would give them my word. I would give them my word. I would say, say da-da, say da-da, say da-da-da-da-da-da, say da-da. And then one incredible day, in the midst of all their babble and my talking, They'd fix their eye on me and they'd say, Dada? And my word would return to me from their lips. And I can think of no greater joy than that for a father. And Jesus taught us to say, Abba. Abba is simply Aramaic for Dada. 
Jesus is the Father's word come to us, and when we pray Abba, it's his spirit in us, and God's word is returning to God on our tongues. As we are made in God's image, the image of love, it's the kingdom of heaven. But to stop praying is to be trapped in hell. That is the void, the pit, the outer darkness, the nothing, and the nowhere. You, you see, if everything is created and sustained with the word of God, but you won't hear the word or speak the word, you are cut off from God's creation and trapped in outer darkness. That's why the devil's entire game is just to get you to stop conversing with your father, God the Father, and make you rely upon your own self your flesh. And that's why the seventh piece of armor and all the armor is prayer and all the armor is Jesus and Jesus is the word. Yahashua, God save, God help is our prayer. He's the prayer that sets the captives free from the deepest dungeon of all which is the self. Our own arrogance, our own independence, our own pride, our own ego, the flesh. Jesus destroys my flesh, it's literally nailed to a tree. Jesus destroys my flesh and Jesus is my life. Life is communion with God, my Father. See, I don't think God cares about your prayer life. It was a true question. I don't think God cares about your prayer life. He cares about your life. And your life is prayer, communion with God the Father. And so prayer isn't just a means to an end. Prayer is the end. And does prayer work? Or does everything work for the sake of prayer? I mean all creation, even all desecration, I mean even the pit. Several years ago, I read this great book called Race Hoss, Big Emma's Boy. It's an, it's an autobiography by Albert Race Sample, who was nicknamed Race Hoss. Race Hoss was the son of an abusive black prostitute in Texas named Emma. Her son and the son of a traveling white salesman uh, that left him behind uh, long, long before as a child. As a young man, he was imprisoned in the worst prison in Texas, in prison for assault and battery. After 17 years, on one occasion, having this had happened to him before, being thrown into solitary confinement, but he said on this occasion, it finally got to him. He was thrown into solitary confinement in an eight by 14 foot stone dungeon devoid of light. I found a video of him telling his story online. This is his description of what happened in that pit, in that prison cell, not entirely unlike the one in which Paul wrote to the Ephesians 2,000 years ago. It was like I thought, said, God damn, man, you done narrowed your world down to a matchbox size. Three billion people in the world and don't have no way you act. And nobody gives a damn. I got up off of that slab and I beat the wall and I banged my head. I kicked it out. I 
I didn't hardly get the words out of my mouth. And I looked through my fingers. In there, I could see everything. The softest, most beautiful feeling came over me. I felt so good. Didn't see nobody, but I sure know something was in there with me. And I laid back on my bunk on that slab and put my hand under my head and I never felt so much love in my life and it was like in an instant like something was playing a movie reel backwards I could see Emma's childhood that she told me about I could see what they did to her when she was a little girl. Her daddy killed her mama when she was four years old. And they did mistreat her. And I never felt so much forgiveness in my life. And it was like something had lifted off of me. 28 more days they come and let me out. I didn't walk out of there glowing like Moses. No. Uh-uh. But I sure did know that something had changed within me. That I wasn't the same man no more. Do you hear what he prayed? God Help me. In Hebrew, Yahweh, Yasha, Yahashua, Yeshua. In English, Jesus. He said the word, and he meant it. Maybe everything works for the sake of prayer. We know that everything is like the manifestation of God's word, and maybe everything works so that we would speak that word. In Galatians, Paul writes this, God has sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba. And now Paul writes, pray in the spirit. That's the breath, that's the spirit of the son. See, maybe none of us can truly speak. Maybe none of us can truly live until Jesus conquered the dark prison, till he conquers the dark prison, that is our old hearts, and, and, and there causes us to say, Abba. Maybe everything works for that end. Maybe everything works that we would pray, 
Abba and never stop praying in the spirit of Jesus as the very image of God the Father. Well, anyway, we were just asking this question. Why pray? And notice that well, prayer changes me. Prayer destroys my flesh. Prayer is my life. You see, prayer is judgment. I hope you remember our last sermon from Ephesians on the sixth piece of armor, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. We read Revelation 19, remember? And we saw that the word is the end. The word rides a white horse, and the word destroys the flesh of all men, Revelation 19, 18, and the word makes all things new, Revelation 21, 5. We said when we truly hear the word and speak the word, Armageddon happens. The end happens. Judgment happens. And when we pray, we hear the word and we speak the word back to God our Father. We say, Abba, help Jesus. That word destroys our flesh. And that word is our life. Prayer is surrendering to God's judgment. Well, if you live all your days on this earth and you never hear God is help or say God help me, you'll think that you have helped yourself and created yourself. And that false self, that illusion of control, will be utterly annihilated by the revelation of God's word at the end of time. But if you've learned to love God's word, God is help, Jesus. If you've learned to speak his word, God help, Jesus. Well, then you've already been judged. And eternal life already abides within you. And the devil has already lost his game. He's lost. And I hope you see that by the grace of God, you don't have to wait until you're thrown in a prison somewhere in Texas to pray. And you don't have to gnash your teeth in outer darkness until the end of all time to be judged. And by the grace of God, you can pray, God help Right now, God help, God save, Yeshua, Jesus, Abba, into your hands I commend my spirit. Prayer is judgment. And prayer is salvation. And I hope you know that salvation is not just a second chance. Salvation is not being forgiven from your past sins so that you can try harder the next time around. Salvation is not a do-over. Salvation is an entirely new state of being. Salvation is faith in God's grace. Salvation is resting in God's word. Salvation is the presence of the seventh day. Salvation is to cease from all your anxious striving. Salvation is absolute confidence that God is your creator and God is your sustainer and God is good and God is your helper. Salvation is perfect communion with God your Father. Salvation is prayer. And I hope you see that we're all just learning to pray. And that we learn to pray by praying. 
So Paul writes, praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. All prayer and, and all requests, even bad prayers and bad requests. It's only by talking bad that we can ever hope to talk good or, or talk well. Just watch a little kid. They learn to talk by talking. We learn to pray by praying. And so of course we pray bad. We try to turn prayer into a means of control, but prayer in itself is an act of surrender. We think it's not about the nail, but keep talking, we'll see it's all about the nail. The nail is in our flesh, and our flesh is our love of control, and our love of control is a prison of fear, and it is the source of all our sorrows. But keep talking. Keep talking, keep talking to your bridegroom and one day you'll see a nail in his flesh. It's your nail in his flesh. It's your sin that holds him to the wood. He who knew no sin became sin, our sin, that we might become the righteousness of God. Keep praying and one day you'll see the point. God is your helper. <laughs> and you are not your own helper. Prayer will work. But it's not your work. It's the word of God at work in you. And so on the night that this world betrayed him, he took bread and he broke it. The word took bread and he broke it, saying, this is my body given to you. Take it, eat it. Eat this prayer. <laughs> and in the same way, after supper, he took the cup and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood poured out for the forgiveness of sins. And so he calls you to this table to consume his word and then speak his word back to the Father as worship. And so let's believe the gospel and preach the gospel to God our Father. God, you are good. Amen. Close your eyes and uh, I just want you to imagine something. What I'm going to ask you to imagine is true. And so I think you see this is called faith. You just came to the table of the Lord and ingested the sacrifice of the Lord, the offering of the Lord, I, I believe that you're standing before the throne of God, the judgment seat of God, and this is judgment day. Just imagine that, what's true. You're standing before the throne of God Almighty. Now say this, 
God, help me. Say, Jesus. Now look, not with the eyes in your head, but with the eyes of your heart that Paul prayed about earlier in the letter. With the eyes of your heart, look. There's a belt around your waist. And the belt is truth. You don't determine the truth. The truth determines you. Jesus is the truth. And look, there's a breastplate over your heart. It's righteousness. But you didn't earn this righteousness. This righteousness is a gift. Jesus is your righteousness. And on your feet, look. They're covered, they're, they're wrapped in, in peace. But you didn't make this peace. Jesus made this peace. And you're holding a shield. The shield is a shield of, of faith. Now, if it was simply your, your own faith, I, I don't know if it would work, but this, this shield can quench the flaming darts of the evil one because, you see, he's the accuser, and so he's accusing, trying to keep you from the throne of God. But with this shield, you can quench those flaming darts because this shield is made of Jesus' faith. He's the faithful one. And he gives it to you. And on your head, there's a helmet. It's the helmet of salvation. And you know, Jesus is your head and you are his body and he is your salvation. Jesus is your salvation and you are saved. And, and there's a sword in your hand. Look at the sword in your hand. There's a word on your tongue. But you didn't create this word. This word created you and is creating you. You see, everything is a gift. You yourself are a gift. This is the thing we have the hardest time seeing. Even your new you, your, you yourself is a gift to you. And you are entirely covered in Jesus. You're hidden in Jesus. Yeshua, Jesus, the word of God, you're covered in him. And so you have absolutely no reason to be ashamed. You have absolutely no reason to hide sons and daughters of Adam and Eve. You have no reason to be ashamed. And so now say, say this word. Abba. Into your hands, I commit my spirit. Abba. And now lift your eyes and approach the throne and just climb up on his lap and start talking.
never stop. Never stop conversing. Never stop practicing his presence. Never leave this place. Your home. His sanctuary. In Jesus' name. Just talk. He's speaking to you through all creation. Sometimes he makes his voice small and speaks to you in words, but he's speaking. And every good, perfect gift comes from you. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. Every good and perfect gift comes from you. don't take that armor off don't leave that place you see you don't have to leave that place because that place is in your heart you are his sanctuary and yeah one day this world will dissolve away and and you'll see the word and see the father and realize they're more solid than anything you've ever touched in this physical body but right now you're you're learning to speak so keep speaking keep praying Keep talking to the one who loves you with everything that he has and everything that he is. In Jesus' name, believe the gospel. Amen.